Hello, hello, hello. Wow. This is the Song Heart Connection Podcast, episode 11, The Art of Storytelling. I have been absent from this for what feels like ages, six plus months. Um, series of unfortunate events, not nothing too tragic, but just uh, I awoke one morning to my laptop sitting in a pool of water and I had just written um, the latest episode that I wanted to record within the next couple days and so anyway laptop was completely fried and uh, then I had to get all my stuff transferred to the new one why I'm telling you this I don't know but long story short we're back for fun for fun, to compliment my work, to further commit to the development, the ongoing evolution of this practice. Um, I'm having a great time with new singers, um, new friends that want to use music as a way to explore their authenticity. It's been, it's been awesome. So negative, this has been neglected, positive, everything else is great. (laughs) Mostly. Um, Here we are. Episode 11, The Art of Storytelling. As singers, we're taught to communicate through sung text, phrasing, dynamics, staging, gesturing, and other collaborative nuances. Majority of the time, classical singers will sing in a foreign language, Italian, French, German, Czech, Russian, and more, and must, of course, translate the music to have a running English dialogue against the language. We also translate our castmates' dialogue, the other characters' work, in order to understand and communicate efficiently with our colleagues to properly digest the basic and intrinsic elements of the story. Beyond that, there's pronunciation, working this language into our linguistic brain and mouth to honor the composer and librettist's wishes, and to be certain we don't sound foolish on stage, especially if there happens to be a native speaker in the audience, which there almost always is. So after this layering is complete, there's subtext, the tacit knowledge, the storytelling underneath these layers, the truth of self separate from the written story, what goes unsaid but perhaps may be implied, projection, fears, motivations, excitements, anger, secrets, disappointment. This process is more direct in musical theater because there is no translating involved. The stories are in English, the music, in my opinion, is less complex, though equally, if not more so, substantial and qualitative because we can relate to so many of the stories being a contemporary art. It occurred to me recently that storytelling happens everywhere, not just in poetry, not just in novels, not just in music. It's part of our daily living. Look around your house. What do you have on the walls? What trinkets have you saved? Are they on display? Or are they tucked away in a shoebox, buried in the back of your closet? 
because they're personal to you and not for other eyes. What books are left out? Are you reading them? Have you already read them? Or do you hope to read them one day? When I looked around my home, the most sacred and joyous space I have ever created in my adult life, I feel emotionally charged by my own story, which is shared through photographs, artwork, plants, scores, and decorations. As you enter my apartment, on the right side wall are pictures of my family. On the left, all of my favorite framed photographs from Italy. So immediately you're hit with two important and influential parts of my life, family and Italy, which are one and the same for me. I have plants everywhere, and I do mean everywhere. My love of nature breathes in every corner of this apartment. Lots of green, the color of the heart chakra. It is to a certain degree my religion. There's tons of varieties, jade, pothos, cactus, different succulents, snake, there was bamboo. I'm still learning how to care for that properly. Was it bamboo? It wasn't bamboo, it looked like bamboo. My framed artwork is old, decorative sheet music from the 20s, 30s, and 40s. So within this art is music. Notes, lyrics, and best of all, history. I'm an old soul, always have been. There are three framed Victrola ads from Life magazine from 1923. Again, where music meets art meets vintage, antique living. I realize I like to decorate in threes. The handiwork of a Freemason, or a Sicilian with the three legs, who knows? Of course there are not one but two keyboards in the living room. They're not set up and featured, but they are certainly visible. During the summer months when I teach part-time, they become secondary to my everyday living. And being a voice instructor does not define me, but it is a major component in my overall happiness. Scrabble is out on top of my bookcase. I love spelling. My vocab needs attention. Anyone that knows me well knows that. My grandmother's candelabra is on my dining room table. The book on the coffee table is How to Do the Work by Nicole Lepera, gifted to me by my sissy. Dozens of opera scores on my bookshelf, my Nikon on display, which has traveled everywhere with me. I have a mezuzah that I painted in the doorframe as you enter my bedroom. I have always loved the culture of Judaism and feel closely connected to select beliefs and practices. My yoga mat hanging on my bed frame with my Boston Red Sox cap on top. I started my relationship with yoga in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and kind of funny how personal effects find themselves near each other without any conscious act, I suppose. I have the Zafu Danny Parker gifted me for my Zazen practice atop my Zabaton, next to my favorite incense and meditation bowl. I'll have to make another podcast soon on how Zazen has become a major part of my life recently and how it has helped me hold space for my multitude of thoughts. Very busy brain. Super busy brain. <laughs> the art next to my bed specifically hung in the most intimate, private, personal place. There are paintings that represent the heartaches and joys of my life. A woman dancing flamenco, painted by Nava Lundy, my former babysitter, who I have always thought looks like Carmen. 
the, the painting, not my babysitter. <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with Carmen for professional and personal reasons. There were three pieces I picked up in Italy that, if there were a fire in my home, I'd likely grab the cats and these goodies. And for sure, the clay-fired pierced heart I bought in Vermont in 2011. That one, too. That piece is everything to me and has survived many moves and many loves. But back to the Italian art. One, a woman lying naked on her side, painted using coffee and wine products only. I thought that was super cool. This speaks of solitude and sensual womanhood in so many ways. The next, an abstract interpretation of the sea with a written message that reads Due cuore tra le onde, which translates to Two hearts between the waves. And finally, a colored stencil scene of Strega Nonna out under the stars stirring her giant pot of pasta. Streganona is a children's book about a witch-like Calabrian grandmother who cooks pasta for the entire village. My two country hats hanging on the guest bed wall. Next to yet another version of a framed Carmencita. A mirror hung out of the way, making it nearly impossible to access for any practical purpose. Dream catchers, dried roses, macrame, French-themed plates that hold my makeup. I think I went overboard with the details, but you get the picture. Storytelling exists in the way we choose to express ourselves. Most of the items collected in my life are a product of wonder and wander. What do we usually do when we enter a new space or someone's home? We look around. We get curious. We relate. We question. We create a narrative subconsciously based on our physical, emotional, and intellectual environment. The same is true of the art of storytelling in song. I recently asked a student uh, why he is pursuing a career in the performing arts, and he answered by saying that he loves storytelling the most. This is the foundation of the song-heart connection. We all have a story, and so do the characters in the songs we sing. Storytelling and singing discharges trauma somatically and offers clarity and healing as we process our feelings through someone else's narration. Dr. Peter Levine is an industry leader in studying and treating trauma. He has written numerous books, including Waking the Tiger, Healing Trauma, and In an Unspoken Voice, How the Body Releases Trauma and Restores Goodness. In my most recent psychopathology class at Southwestern College, we spent an entire term fine combing the DSM-5, and when we arrived at the section on PTSD, my instructor shared a video on Peter Levine working closely in somatic experiencing with a young Iraq veteran. The immediate results were incredible. What many people don't know is that we have big and small traumas, and the collection of the small traumas over many years can be quite deteriorating to the mind, body, and spirit if left unexamined. They form and manifest in the body, showing up as chronic pain, migraines, vertigo, rapid heart rate, IBS, fibromyalgia, so much more. People who have had early trauma usually have the most significant experiences with illness. Early attachment injuries, unfortunately, feed into poor health. It's important to decode the body's messages using somatic strategies and techniques that prevent re-traumatization. So where do you start with this? Curiosity. Curiosity is the key to growth and healing, in my opinion. Question. 
Pay attention to sensations and feelings. What techniques, you might ask? Anything that reestablishes natural rhythm within the body, catering to the health of the autonomic nervous system by holding a safe space for it to reset. A fabulous practice is singing, breathing, and releasing on conscious, energetic tonality. Therapeutic presence and rhythm are also very important. Connecting to the pelvic floor, the root chakra, through vocal vibration, and learning how this simple practice with the right vowel and consonant structure creates a warm, protected feeling within your body, inviting you to listen to the inner story of you. It's crucial to engage with someone that understands attunement and doesn't press a clinical agenda. This is why I feel so grateful to have arrived in this professional practice while already working as a private voice instructor. I've had the pleasure of working with it sounds weird to say out loud with like thousands of people over the last 10 years, um, learning about what is what it really means to be present and available with someone in a private setting. You don't go to the trauma first. You go where that person feels alive, inviting, as mentioned, curiosity and joy to lead our time together. To discover one's own uniqueness is a tremendous experience. A closing story about the time I got off the train in Lecce, Italy. It was Christmas time, 2018, and there was a flash mob outside the station dancing the pizzica pizzica. Tambourines, accordions, guitars, drums, the whole bit, and a bunch of attractive Italian men and women dancing with heart. They pulled me into dance, and my immediate reaction was panic, thinking, oh my god, run. Like, I don't know this dance. I essentially froze for a moment. But then I saw, I'm going to continue using this word, how joyous these people were. The happiness was contagious. And to a certain degree, happiness was still a little bit of a scary place for me then. Um, as I was navigating personal and professional change that left me feeling slightly numb at times. And then this little voice whispered, stay. Like truly, I heard it in my head. Remember I told you my head's very busy. <laughs> it's noisy. But really, I was, I was about to run out of that mob and then this voice, stay. And so I did. And I danced the pizzica pizzica with a bunch of strangers and then made the Puglia news with a video that went viral two days later. That was so bizarre. Um, but you know what? That was in and of itself the beginning of my story. So what is your story? This was episode 11. Yes, 15 minutes. The Song Heart Connection podcast. Hope to see you soon.